0: This is guns and butter. There's
1: Maybe 9/11 was an opportunity to get rid of a few people that, for some reason, people wanted to get rid of. There's one one character that comes to my mind is Brian uh, Brian Jack. Brian Jack. He was one of the accounting uh, specialists who was in charge of uh, trying to solve the $2.3 trillion missing that Donald Rumsfeld had announced on September 10th. And he had one office in the Pentagon. And if you check on the Washington Post, um, there's a website uh, in honor of all the people who died. And you read there that Brian Jack died at the place where any other day he would have been working in the Pentagon, not because he was working at the Pentagon that day, but because he was on American Airline 77, which crashed precisely, you know, at the point of his uh, office in the Pentagon. Can you believe that?
0: I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Laurent Kiano. Today's show, 9-11, The Planes and the Hijackers. Laurent Guillenot is an author, researcher, and journalist. His current research focuses on the religious and civilizational backgrounds of Zionist geostrategy. His books include Jesus and John the Baptist, Historical Inquiry into a Legendary Encounter, Fairy Death, An Anthropology of Medieval Fantasy, and translated into English, JFK to 9-11, 50 Years of Deep State and From Yahweh to Zion, Jealous God, Chosen People, Promised Land, Clash of Civilizations. Today we discuss his latest article, The 9-11 Double Cross Theory, Pentagon Inside Job, World Trade Center Israeli Job, that analyzes the September 11th attacks as two separate but related events with emphasis on the planes and the hijackers. Laurent Guillaumeau, welcome back.
1: Well, thank you, Bonnie, for having me back.
0: When we last spoke about your It article, the 9-11 double-cross theory, Pentagon Inside Job, World Trade Center Israeli Job, you talked about some of the main differences between the attack on the Pentagon and the attack on the New York City Twin Towers on September 11th. We also mm-hmm. covered your analysis of what you view as two competing groups within the American deep state, traditional American imperialism as opposed to neoconservative Zionism, their differences and similarities, and a few of the prominent players. You also covered uh, the special roles played by Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney. As mm-hmm. well, you talked about a biblical mindset characteristic of Of Israeli leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's just to recap uh, what we talked about in our first show. Could you talk about the planes on 9 11? What is your take on the flights that have occupied so much of the alternative research into September
1: 11th? Well, that's a very complicated issue. And uh, actually, uh, there are about 1,000. Comments under my uh, my uh, latest article that you mentioned, and most of these comments are, uh, you know, debating on the about the the plane issue: how many planes? One, two, three, four, or zero. Planes and, and that's really an intense debate and uh, <laughs> very aggressive sometimes because uh, some people believe uh, that the, the no planners, you know, people who believe there were no planes at all, are just trying to pollute the debate. So it's really an intense and complicated issue. And uh, I must admit, I don't think anybody has got the final explanation, a complete theory that explains all the, all the facts. But, uh, to me, as I wrote in the in my uh, final comment, you know, on this article, uh, after listening to you know every side, I came to the conclusion that there are uh, two major arguments or, or one major argument for each side. There are some people who who claim that, um, um, well, well. First, before before I talk about the arguments, let, let's talk about the different planes because there is only one plane that that is really uh, problematic, that is uh, really difficult to to pinpoint, because uh, you know everybody knows there were four planes involved supposedly. And uh, you know, if you look at Shanksville in Pennsylvania, pretty much everybody agrees there were no planes there. Nobody, uh, the the mayor of Shanksville, or I think his name is Ernie. Ernie. Um, Stull Ernie Stull, I think, S-T-U-double-L, and in the film, in my film, we have him uh, (laughs) explain, you know, when he came to the site and his brother-in-law came to the site, they they saw absolutely nothing, just a hole. He he said the plane had completely vanished. Poof, he said, you know. (laughs) So anyway... In Shengsville, pretty much everybody agrees there were no planes. In the Pentagon, you know, there is not even one picture that resembles a plane, and uh, there is no debris. There are very small debris, so most people would agree, you know, that it could not be a Boeing, uh, any kind of uh, uh, commercial jet, jet plane in any case, so... There might be a small drone or something. If you listen to the conference by uh, Barbara Honegger, she she mentions some uh, facts which uh, seems to point to the presence of a a drone. Okay, but uh, then there are two planes that crashed into the Twin Towers. That's that's a more complicated issue. Uh, One plane crashed into the North Tower and that plane has been filmed by only one camera. There's only one uh, footage of the crash itself, and that's the footage filmed by the Nodé brothers. They are French. They happen to be there making a film about firefighters in New York, and they just by some uh, miracle caught the crash. There are many reasons to, to suspect that this uh, film is, um, is, uh, is not genuine, It's not original. You know, and one reason is that the Nolde brothers themselves are kind of strange, mysterious characters. They have received uh, multiple awards after they have made a, but their origin—they don't look like brothers at all to start with. But anyway, so the main—the main focus of the debate uh, is about the second plane that hit the the the, the South Tower, because um, thousands, or maybe tens of thousands of people. In New York, uh, we suppose, we assume, we're watching the Twin Towers at that time and saw the plane hit the South Tower, okay? So let's talk about this plane now. And then maybe we have to talk about uh, the um, commercial planes and the passenger list and did they really take off and what kind of plane they were but let's for the moment forget about that issue and just focus on the, on the fact that a plane whatever plane that was crashed into the South Tower or not okay so some people said of course a plane crashed into the South Tower it's, you know tens of thousands of people saw it and uh, of course you, you can ask them well can you name one person who saw it And uh, then it becomes a little bit complicated. And then if you search on the internet, you can find a few people who said they saw saw the plane. But some of those testimonies are not totally convincing. And some maybe they are, or there is no special reason to to question them. So uh, this is always what uh, people bring against those who claim there were no planes. Uh, Many people must have seen them. But it's kind of strange, and if you study, the, the, you know, all these testimonies, first you have testimonies of people like uh, the famous uh, Mark Walsh, who are on Fox News, you know, appeared, he's a Fox uh, freelancer, freelancer, and he declared, I saw the plane uh, smash into the to the tower and then explode through the other side, and then I witnessed both towers collapse, due to structural failures because the fire was too intense. And he used these exact words that sound exactly like what the, you know, the NICS report would say, structural failures. And uh, he used this kind of term. So this kind of guy is very, he is, most people would accept he's a, like a crisis actor. Okay. So already we have a question. Why would they need people, uh, a crisis actors to say they saw the plane hit the tower if, you know, if they had enough genuine witnesses to say. And then you have some people who say, well, they didn't see a plane. Many people said they didn't see a plane. They they think the towers just exploded. Some say they heard a plane, but they didn't see it. So it gets really complicated. But I think, you know, uh, so many people would insist that, uh, for example, Kevin Barrett said he knows many people who, who said they saw the second plane. So I feel I have to assume that's true. I have to assume many people saw the plane. But on the other hand, uh, what convinced me that the plane that we see on the footage of the crash on the second tower, all of them cannot be real. There are basically four uh, footage where you see the plane entering the towers. There are, you know, many other videos where you, you, you see the plane uh, coming to the towers, but you don't see the crash itself. You, you don't see uh, the plane entering, penetrating the tower. There are only, to my knowledge, only four. And those four footage are one, uh, one is uh, by a certain uh, Azarkhani. Another one is by Evan um, Fairbanks and then another one by a Canadian guy, I forgot his name exactly, and then there's a fourth one. And on all of them, you see the plane just penetrating the tower without even decelerating. You know, you can measure the speed. The plane doesn't slow down at all, and it just goes right into the tower. And if you look very closely, you see even the wings are not damaged at all, they just enter into the tower. And then as soon as the plane is basically completely inside the tower without having uh, had any damage, without any parts being smashed, you know, or bumping against the tower or whatever, then you have this huge explosion. And after the explosion and all the, the dust uh, is out, you see this big hole which some people call the, they refer to this cartoon It escapes my... Uh, Well, never mind. It looks like cartoon physics. People speak about cartoon physics because if you study the structure of the Twin Towers and you study the structure, you know, what a plane is made of, it doesn't matter what kind of plane. You know, most planes are made of uh, aluminium. uh, uh, The body is uh, supposed to be very light. And in order to be quite light, of course, uh, military planes are maybe a little bit different, but even a military plane could not in any case enter penetrate completely into the tower and especially the wings the wings should just uh, you know bounce against the tower and and fall to the ground so that's the main argument of uh, the so-called no planners uh, of which I, I i am a part i feel these pictures uh, cannot be real so these planes that we see entering the tower cannot be real
0: well yes uh, laurent the the videos are fake right
1: exactly yeah so that's uh, the dilemma. What do we do from there, you know? Uh, if, the, if the planes are fake, then, uh, then how is it possible that people saw them, you know? So I don't know exactly how to overcome that uh, contradiction.
0: Well, Laurent, and, uh, one thing uh, you could point to is that there were all sorts of people after the Pentagon claiming they saw a plane. Uh, people will claim all sorts of uh, crazy things.
1: Yeah, that's what i would uh, i would tend to do i would tend to question uh, and that's what uh, ace baker explains in his uh, wonderful film called uh, the great american uh, psy opera where in the last three chapters it's absolutely uh, you know fantastic film in the last three chapters he, he develops this theory that there were no no planes hit the twin towers at all and he explains well how come some people say they saw the plane well You know, if you see something in reality and then you go back home and you you watch your television and you see a plane, you quickly become convinced that you should have seen the plane. So you might have seen the plane. And then, you know, (laughs) little by little, you you end up, after watching the the scene on television again and again and again, you end up believing, well, surely you saw the plane. That's a possibility. I think that's a likely possibility.
0: Well, also, Laurent... What came to my mind was if there was no plane at the Pentagon, which I don't think there was, and there was no plane that buried itself at Shanksville, well, then that begs the question about the Twin Towers. If they weren't using planes in the other two events, well, then that calls the whole thing into question, in addition to the fact that using real planes uh, brings in an element of uncertainty and risk.
1: Absolutely. yeah.
0: That couldn't be tolerated, I wouldn't think.
1: Well, yeah, many pilots have said, you know, uh, it was impossible to 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 hit those towers at the speed that the planes were um, were flying. Well, it would have been impossible for a, a jetliner to fly at those speeds. But even with any kind of plane, you know, uh, I remember actually. Um, Uh, The Egyptian president at the time was um, uh, Mubarak, uh, his name was. I don't know if you remember. He was uh, kind of a victim of a coup just a few years later, and he was already a little bit sick in in 2001. But he made this remark. He was a pilot. He was an army pilot originally, and he said there is no way that uh, even a trained pilot could have at that speed flown any kind of plane into the Twin Towers, you know. I mean, the chances to, to, to hit the towers were very low. So just as you said, you know, it's, uh, it would not make sense for, for the perpetrators to, to bet on that chance.
0: I'm speaking with author, researcher, and journalist Laurent Guilhannot. Today's show, 9-11, The Planes and the Hijackers. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter.
1: And uh, Ace Baker made a very good point also. He said, well, there's one very uh, obvious reason why they couldn't use real planes. If they had used real planes, suppose, if we suppose they had managed to hit the towers with a drone or it doesn't matter what kind of plane, then of course, um, most of the plane, or at least part of the plane, would have bounced against the tower and all the pieces would have dropped in the street. And then all those pieces would have been picked up and identified. And then obviously, you know, if there were not the, the, um, uh, the uh, American airline planes or United Airline planes that we were told there were, then that would have been uh, become apparent. So it was necessary that they fake the pictures so that the, the whole plane must disappear inside the tower. And also, for another reason, it's only if the plane disappears inside the tower that they can claim that, uh, you know, the plane crash destroyed all those columns inside the tower, which uh, caused the collapse. You know, there is no way if real planes were used that the plane could have penetrated inside the tower, like we saw on these uh, cartoon uh, videos. And uh, and therefore there would have been no way to explain that the the planes had caused the the towers to collapse. So there's all kinds of reasons why uh, I I don't believe a plane, planes hit the towers. I feel uh, it's just physically impossible.
0: Well, in so, addition, uh, what about the uh, steel lattice work that surrounded the towers? What do you mean? it wasn't only steel columns in the middle no, of the twin okay. towers the twin towers on the outside were covered with with uh, steel lattice work right
1: yeah the, the the twin towers are based on two um two grids one uh, core grid inside where the elevators are and and the, the outer grid so the, the main most of the weight of the towers is supported by the outer grid. So these uh, uh, steel columns are incredibly strong, and uh, yeah, this is the outer grid. Plus, you know, if you look at the picture, uh, both planes entered the tower uh, in. Uh, they were not completely horizontal because they they supposedly uh, were turning. So in fact, uh, they entered through uh, eight floors. I think the south uh, tower, uh, the plane entered and from one wing tip to the tip of the other wing, uh, eight floors where, um, you know, the hole covered eight floors. And on each floor, you have again this horizontal metal structure with concrete on it. How can a plane penetrate, you know, both the, the steel column on the outside and the horizontal uh, Floors. It's just. Uh, I mean, you don't need to be an engineer. I mean, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, I, I, we have that in in our film. You you remember on the very day that he, he said that's completely impossible, and he knows a lot about skyscrapers. He, you know, he's a specialist of skyscrapers. So he was absolutely affirmative that uh, it was, you know, impossible. So he suggested a theory that uh, many people came to believe, but I don't think it really makes sense. He said. Uh, there must have been bombs at the same time as the plane entered. In other words, bombs must have made a hole so that the plane could penetrate the tower. You know, it's like uh, the bombs must have opened the door so that the plane could, which doesn't really make sense either because the plane would have to, to enter perfectly where the bombs had been, uh, you know, <laughs> we would have to suppose that uh, uh, the plane aimed, you know, with incredible precision to enter exactly, to slip, you know, into the into the hole made by the, the bombs. But some people still are, uh, believe that uh, that's a solution. And uh, it's obviously not. But, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: please go ahead, because I interrupted you. You were going to go on no, about no. the planes.
1: Well, I can, you know, it's so complicated, I can go on and on. But I feel I have to mention one, uh, I feel, uh, impact interesting study made by um, uh, Richard Hall, Richard Hall, Hall, uh He made a very impressive uh, study of all the videos where we see the plane crashing or approaching the South Tower, and he found about 53 of them, I think. And some of them he could not use, so he used about 20 or I think 16, I'm not sure. And all these uh, 16 videos, he used a program to uh, calculate the trajectory of the plane in all those videos, because it looks like those trajectories are not consistent. It looks like from one video to the next, you know, the plane has a completely different trajectory. But he could prove, I, I trust he did, I haven't, you know, done all the calculations myself, but he says and he, he shows in his video that he could prove that in fact, yes, all the trajectories are consistent and they are following one of the radar um, numbers that have been provided. There have been two, he explained, there have been two uh, sets of, uh, of um, um, data uh, provided about two different uh, radar system, one civil uh, system and one military system. And he'd say, well, if we look at the document, the standard document that uh, uh, shows all the data of this radar, then uh, he put all those data in his uh, 3D model, and he could show that all those videos, actually, on all those videos, the plane is following this uh, trajectory. So then we have a new question. If all those videos were fake, those who faked it must have used the official radar data. But, you know, that's a little bit more more difficult to believe. Therefore, Richard Hall proposed, as uh, also Simon Schack, another person uh, who uh, made this film called September Clue, and there is a whole blog called September Clue. I think they basically agree on the hologram theory. In other words, There were no planes, but by some kind of mysterious system, um, a plane was made visible to people, at least from some angle and to some cameras. So I was very, very reluctant to follow that theory. But uh, the more I think about it, the more I think it might be one explanation. Uh, in other words, um, this it doesn't exclude the possibility that some pictures were faked by video compositing, you know, but there might be different technologies used. I think um, Ace Baker has convincingly proved that some pictures were created by video compositing, especially this uh, picture which he called the Pinocchio's nose, where you see the plane, I think it's uh, images from Fox Chopper 5, it was filmed by a guy named Kai Simonsen from a helicopter, Chopper. And uh, Ace Baker explains very, very well that because his helicopter was moving, his system, you know, he made a mistake and then we see the plane entering the tower from one side And then we see the nose of the plane exiting the tower from the other side. And then then there is a blackout because Kai Simonson realized his mistake and then cut off, you know, the image. So I think uh, Ace Baker really convincingly proved that this must be video compositing. But there might be another technology which explains why so many people, if so many people did see the plane, why why they saw the plane and why... um, uh, on all these cameras, all, all this uh, footage, amateur footage, why the plane follows the, the same trajectory. I have no, you know, certainty. I'm just mentioning this because that's part of the, that's part of the debate. And that's, that would be a possible solution to the contradiction between the two opposite arguments. On one hand, you know, there are too many people who said they saw the plane. On the other hand, these planes cannot be real because real planes cannot enter, uh, penetrate into the tower. So at this point, that's where I am. But basically, if we want to uh, conclude on the plane issue, there would be more to say, because uh, we, we could maybe, if you, if you want, we can talk about uh, uh, what happened to the real, to the, to the plane of American Airlines and United Airlines. But that's another issue. But on this issue of whether planes uh, penetrated the, the tower or not, uh you know then uh, what i what i would add is that i agree with people who say well you know this is not so important at least but you know i think it's not uh, an issue that we should bring uh, bring up when we want to you know uh, talk to people who believe the official narrative you know this is uh, this is uh, not the best approach you know, the best approach would be just to talk about Tower 7, for example. But for people who are already convinced that the official narrative is false, then of course, its uh, I feel it's an, an important issue because uh, the very nature of those planes, whether they were real or not, tells us a lot about uh, the people who 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 did 9-11 and how they did it and how they fooled us. I think this is... a. Still important issues, but unfortunately, uh, I feel uh, there is no fully convincing explanation. Just, just like also there is no fully convincing explanation of how the towers came down. That's another issue, which, you know, at this moment, there's uh, still a lot of mystery. We know they didn't come down by themselves. We know the planes, whatever they were, did not cause the collapse, but we still don't know exactly what kind of uh, explosive or what kind of system was used to bring them down. So we have to accept there are still some technical uh, issues that are not completely solved.
0: What evidence do we have of the actual four commercial jetliners that the official narrative claims were in the air and crashed. Do we know anything specifically about these uh, commercial jetliners?
1: Well, yeah, so that's another side of the, of the question of planes. Uh, I think most people who are a bit uh, informed about uh, 9-11 uh, today would uh, agree that um, none of those commercial airliners Uh, crashed either in the Pentagon, in Shanksville or in the World Trade Center. I think very few people uh, would say they they did. So those who believe some planes crashed into the Twin Towers generally consider they cannot have been these uh, airliners supposedly hijacked by uh, Islamic terrorists for different reasons. So then, the question arises of what happened to those uh, airliners and to their passengers. And there, here you have different theories.
0: I'm speaking with author, researcher, and journalist Laurent Guillonot. Today's show: 9/11, the planes, and the hijackers. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter.
1: Uh, A few years ago, there was a lady called uh, Rebetta Roth. She was a former air stewardess, so she knew a bit about uh, that kind of job, and she examine the testimony of uh, a few stewardess, especially uh, the the famous one called Betty Ong, who made a call to, not sure to whom actually, from the plane, from the hijacked plane, and her call lasted almost 10 minutes, maybe even more, I think about 20 minutes, which is quite amazing. And this call is very, very strange, but anyway, according to Rebecca Roth, uh, the planes were real, they were hijacked not by terrorists, but by remote control, and they were landed in, um, in a special uh, secret uh, airport, which uh, uh, the name and the place I don't remember in her theory. And basically, some of those passengers and stewardess were forced, maybe at gunpoint, to make fake phone calls. You know, and that's how all those fake phone calls came to came to uh, appear. Uh, we know these phone calls were not possible from uh, uh, the flights. The flights were in the air, but if the flights, if the planes had landed somewhere in secret, then anyway, that's what you say. And then the passengers were basically killed. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's a reasonable. Uh, uh, theory. First of all if if we try to think about the people who organize all this it would not make much sense for them to take the risk to land four airliners somewhere secretly and eliminate all the passengers and then get rid of the bodies in some way and get rid of the planes and you know I mean it just, uh, just doesn't make sense to me. So I feel this Rebecca wrote uh, Uh, It was uh, just trying to bring some crazy theory, which uh, um, doesn't really make sense. So my own guess is that none of those planes existed. None of those flights existed. None of them took off. And uh, I pointed out in my article then that uh, American Flight 77, which supposedly crashed in, in a Pentagon, Took off from Washington, okay. So it didn't have to go very far to crash into the Pentagon. So anyway, as uh, we all agree, there was no plane there. So there's no reason to believe a real plane took off, and the same with all the, all these other planes. It it was quite, it was much easier in any case to to uh, just fabricate um, a record of the flight takeoff and to fabricate a a passenger list with uh, mostly fictitious people than to do, you know, the the thing that Rebecca Roth claims uh, was done. So I feel no no reason to to think that any of those flights were real. You know, there there are different also additional reasons to doubt You know, one reason has been pointed by someone, I forgot who he pointed and he he showed, and uh, I think it's uh, true that, you know, normally when there is a plane crash, all the the relatives would, you know, even knowing the plane would not land where it was supposed to land, they would still go to the airport and gather there because they don't know what else to do because this is, they have to do something. So they would just go there and uh, gather together and, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, there would be huge... Um, huge gathering at the airports where the plane was supposed to land and this did not happen for any of the four planes you know the airports were basically empty nobody came to to the airports in uh, i don't even remember where the planes where they were supposed to land but anyway they took off from boston the two planes that crashed into the twin towers it seems that nobody was uh, was there at the airport, uh, the airport where those flights were supposed to land. So that's another sign that um, you know the passengers were not real.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it before. Now, isn't it also the case that there have been reports or evidence that? All four planes—they have serial numbers or whatever—that these these uh, actual jetliners were, were still in service after nine eleven. Do we know about that?
1: Yeah, I've I've seen that. You know, I'm repeating what I read here and there, and uh, you know, I try to check the information, but uh, I don't uh, memorize everything. But yes, as as far as I remember, two of those planes were proven to be still flying after 9-11 with the same the same tail number
0: yes there were many anomalies i remember reading a local newspaper here uh, after 9-11 they had uh, color photographs of many many people that they claimed were on these planes and mm-hmm. one of them was a was a well-known actress by the last name of Baronson. and mm-hmm. uh I noticed years later uh, I saw her there were pictures of her in Europe or whatever she she wasn't on the plane so it, it was like they were just the the media was creating stories uh, that weren't real
1: Yeah 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 of course yeah I mean uh, some people who supposedly were on the plane uh, were real people and then we we, we can wonder what happened to them but uh, You know, like Barbara Olson on American Airlines 77, um, the wife of the Solicitor General Ted Olson. So these are unsolved cases. We we have no idea what happened to them. But uh,
0: well, for one thing, in the Zacharias Moussaoui trial, he was uh, Mm -hmm. claimed to be the quote twentieth hijacker. The FBI admitted that that barbara olson phone call to her right. husband the solicitor general never connected so the, even the fbi claimed that wasn't true and then sure. i read years later that uh, i guess his name was theodore olson i believe yeah uh, that he remarried a woman that looked very similar to his first wife
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, that's uh, yeah. You can see the picture of her, of uh, Barbara Olson and his new wife. I think Lady Booth or something. Uh, yeah, they do look look similar. So yeah, there's been a theory that he remarried the same wife who <laughs> underwent uh, uh, surgery. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's really weird most of all those things you can find actually on one website i invite everybody to go and take a look it's uh, the website is called 911planeshoax.com 911planeshoax.com you can find many things you can also find a uh, very interesting information about the very small number of people who um, came forward to claim the money that the government was offering to the relatives of the people who died.
0: People yeah, who died on the, plane. on the planes, you mean?
1: R- relatives of the people who died on the plane were uh, proposed to receive money from a, a compensation uh, fund. And the guy who was uh, in charge of that was uh, Kenneth Feinberg. A very strange person indeed. And then there are questions about where did all this money go? Because not so many people uh, officially came forward to, to receive that money. And in fact, uh, there's been study also about uh, on the, I think it's a, there is a kind of a social security data where all the people who die, uh, you can find them you know and then some people you know went through the through the trouble of looking for each one of the people because we have all the names of the passengers of all those four planes and he he checked and he I think he found that not not even 20% of those people can be identified as officially dead you know it would be reasonable to assume that maybe 3 or 4% you know were kind of uh, were not recorded for some reason or or not, but 80% is just impossible. So, you know, there's so many questions, which I think if you accumulate all these uh, problems, I think the most reasonable conclusion is that most of the passengers were not real. Some of them might be real and maybe... Maybe uh, 9-11 was an opportunity to get rid of a few people that some, for some reason people wanted to get rid of. There's one, one character that comes to my mind. is Brian, uh, Brian Jack. Brian Jack, I think, uh, J A K K E. I believe. He was one of the accounting uh, specialists who was in charge of uh, trying to solve the $2.3 trillion missing that Donald Rumsfeld had announced on September 10th and he had one office in the Pentagon. And if you check on the Washington Post, um, there's a website uh, in honor of all the people who died. And you read there that Brian Jack died at the place where any other day he would have been working in the Pentagon, not because he was working at the Pentagon that day, but because he was on American Airline 77, which crashed precisely you know, at the point of his uh, office in the Pentagon. Can you believe that? (laughs) Are are you saying that they're claiming he was on the plane or in the Pentagon? No, he was on the plane on a business trip and the plane happened to crash exactly at the place (laughs) of his Pentagon office. (laughs) I mean, this is so absurd, so crazy, you know, the people who invent such thing. But the point is Brian Jack is a real person and he disappeared. Yeah. Maybe he was killed and then his name was put on the plane list as a, you know, the, the, you can imagine such thing. So maybe a few cases, uh, there might be a few cases like this. I mean, all kinds of things like this are possible. But basically the majority of the, of the, of the passengers, I think, were, were fictitious, were not real. That's the most reasonable, I think, uh, solution. <laughs>
0: I'm speaking with author, researcher, and journalist Laurent Guillaumeau. Today's show, 9-11, The Planes and the Hijackers. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. In our discussion of the planes, which is uh, really a discussion of how uh, things were done, not who did it or the geopolitics, but how it was uh, done, what Mm -hmm. about the hijackers themselves. Now, there's supposedly 19, quote, hijackers, of course, many of whom uh, were Saudis, etc. If there were no real planes used, let's say, how do we account for the hijackers? What do we know about the so-called hijackers?
1: Well, one thing we know is that some of them were still alive after (laughs) 9-11. Just like like some of the planes were still flying, some of the hijackers uh, came forward and said, hey, I was not on the plane, I'm still alive. I think Mohammed Atta himself, uh, his father said that he called him on the day of 9-11 after the attacks to say, I didn't do it, I'm still alive. And then uh, his father probably advised him to... Uh, to hide somewhere, and then we haven't heard about him anymore. But, you know, I think it's quite well known in uh, in Saudi Arabia in particular and uh, in most uh, Muslim countries that none of these hijackers were, uh, most of them were not even uh, Muslim uh, fundamentalists at all, you know. So there are different uh, possibilities. Uh, I found out something quite interesting about the 19 hijackers is that uh, one important information came from uh, a report by the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, uh, made public in 2002. And this, uh, this was a report about uh, 140 Israeli spies who were arrested before 9-11 between March 2001 and uh, September Uh, 2001, and then 60 more Israeli spies who were arrested shortly after 9-11, okay? And in this report, it is mentioned that uh, 30 among those 140 Israeli spies uh, resided, lived in the area of uh, the um, town of Hollywood in Florida was well, a small city, Hollywood, I think it's a city of about 140,000 people, Hollywood in Florida, not in California. And what, uh, what is a very strange coincidence is that in the same area, 14 of the 19 hijackers were living also. And then different information came uh, uh, from other sources. And there's one uh, testimony that I read about quite recently. I'm sorry, I forgot uh, the name of uh, the person who, who uh, made this testimony public. Uh, it's a testimony by one person who anyway wanted to remain anonymous, who claimed to have lived also in uh, in the city of Hollywood, and to have met Mohamed Atta quite a few times in the building where he had his own business, he was uh, he was working in one uh, in one building in Hollywood, and in the same building, there were different offices occupied by Israelis who spoke Hebrew and who mostly uh, occupied these uh, offices during the night, and uh, were you know kind of strange people, and sometimes he saw Mohamed Atta and other people of, you know, Arab-looking people come into the building so he can testify that they were in contact. And there is evidence of contact, including uh, money that came on the account of uh, Mohammed Atta and can be traced to to these uh, Israeli spies uh, through some reason. So there is strong evidence that some Israelis living in this area Israeli spies, in fact they were not really spies, they were probably uh, uh, agents from secret services in charge of preparing one aspect of 9-11 and what they had in charge probably was to uh, at least um, prepare the list of the hijackers, okay? And so these 14 hijackers who came from the Hollywood area are the hijackers of uh, American Airline 11, United Airlines 175. So that is the two planes that supposedly hit the World Trade Center, plus the four hijackers of United Airline 93, which uh, supposedly crashed in Pennsylvania. And it's interesting that the only, the only hijackers who are not part of that list are the hijackers of American Airlines 77 that crashed in the Pentagon. And when I realized this, I thought, well, that's that's, uh, quite uh, consistent with my theory that the event of the Pentagon and the other event, including the plane that crashed in in Pennsylvania, were prepared by different groups. And uh, there were two lists of hijackers that somehow were uh, uh, put together after 9-11. One list included five hijackers, the five hijackers of uh, American Airlines 77 that crashed in the Pentagon, and that list had nothing to do with Israel. It was part of the Pentagon inside job. And then all these uh, other hijackers, you know, at least have the the names of these hijackers, have the fingerprints of Israel on on them. You see what, I, what I'm saying is that... Uh,
0: you yes. Know, uh, yes, that's very, very interesting.
1: No, I just noticed very recently, in fact, I put it in in an uh, addendum in my article because I realized after I had published and I asked Ron Houns, can you add this? Because that's, that's quite uh, supportive of my theory. There are two different origins. The list of the 19 hijackers obviously have two origin. One origin is uh, Hollywood, Florida, and this is the list uh, obviously prepared by these uh, Israeli agents. And the other list has another origin. Probably uh, it was, uh, you know, put together by the people who prepared the event in the Pentagon. That's I found this quite uh, revealing in some way. But in any case, none of these hijackers, none of these people were in the planes. In fact, uh, very strangely, even in the official passenger list, their names don't appear in none of them. That's right. Which is, a, which is a, I, I don't know how they could make such an incredible mistake. You know, they published the passenger list and they omitted, maybe for me, for some reason, you know, the people who had to prepare the passenger list and the people who had to prepare the hijacker list did not communicate well enough. <laughs> so in the end, you have the list of the hijackers and you have the list of the passengers and they don't fit. So anyway, I see different reasons to, to imagine two different um, uh, people creating those two events. Uh, I see I see the technical aspect of the two events are different. I see the fact that in the Pentagon, you, you don't see really clearly Israel's fingerprints, but you see Israel's fingerprint all over the place in the World Trade Center. And I see, as we talked about last time, I see also after 9-11 a clear uh, conflict of agenda between two different groups. One group uh, represented by, you know, what I call the traditional uh, imperialist, represented by uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, for example, who wanted to invade Afghanistan and nothing else, and tried to resist uh, against the push of the neocons to invade Iraq. And then on the other hand, all the neocons who used that event to uh, put incredible pressure on American institutions and on public opinions, and uh, their their pressure was relayed through the media, through their strong um, influence on the media, to uh, go for a, a global war against uh, uh, terrorism in the in the world, in the Middle East in particular, targeting specifically Israel's enemies. so that's that's basically my theory. it's a, it's an hypothesis to try to explain you know, different aspect of the nine eleven event.
0: What about the plane that supposedly crashed in Shanksville? That seems to be quite an enigma. Now, mm. when you were talking about the hijackers, then I'm assuming the so-called hijackers that were on uh, Flight 93 that they claim buried itself in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, what was that all about? Or was that some sort of a mess up? It it doesn't really, I I don't understand the Shanksville thing.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, the, the, there, there are different theories. Some people believe that that plane uh, was supposed to hit Tower 7, the World Trade Center 7 that uh, collapsed in the afternoon on 9-11 um some people have uh, expressed that possibility which uh, some people would respond it's not really realistic because uh, the world trade center 7 is too low uh, for uh, to be hit by a plane so the plane would have would have had to you know to almost uh, go vertically down you know on the on the building which uh, would not have looked very realistic so you know, another possibility, of course, officially there's been rumors that uh, the plane was aimed at the White House, or, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, I think, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is what, what the mainstream media have been uh, suggesting. So but, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's, but mysterious. if there were no, if there were
0: no planes,
1: yeah. What was so, the
0: point of staging a crash in Shanksville? It doesn't make sense
1: no it's uh it's it's weird yeah it's weird so um well it does make sense i mean it made a big story it made a great story all those you know passengers who who you know one of them i forgot his name uh, probably a fictitious character who said, let's roll. And then, you know, they, yes. they, they went against the hijackers and they prevented the plane from crashing into the White House. I mean, that makes a great story. So maybe that was the whole point of it. I don't know. On the other hand, we have this hole with no, no debris of the plane that everybody could see on the television. So that doesn't look too good. So I really don't know. That's another thing that is still mysterious. There's still a lot of mystery, you know, about 9-11. Nobody can claim to have all these all these answers. It seems like the Israeli plan was so daring that, uh, you know, uh, and as I said, sometimes, you know, the reason they, they had this incredible audacity to, to create such a thing is that, uh, since their false flag attack on the USS liberty in nineteen sixty seven which they also messed up, they realized it doesn't matter if they mess up they'll get away with it <laughs> you know nobody will dare accuse them so they had this incredible uh, confidence that no matter you know if if a few things mess up here and there and doesn't don't work exactly as they planned well it doesn't really matter because uh, because they get away with it. Fortunately for people who are investigating, this gives us a lot of uh, evidence that the official narrative is fake. I mean, you just have to watch all these pictures of the hole in Shanksville, or watch the pictures of the Pentagon, and you, you know, no plane were crashed over there. So, but yeah, I suppose some things did not work according to plans. At least Tower 7 is, a, is another case. You know, uh, the most likely explanation for the reason why the Tower 7 was uh, uh, collapsed uh, vertically in front of the cameras in the afternoons is that it was supposed to collapse very shortly after the Twin Towers so that it would just disappear. Nobody would have seen the collapse itself, you know, in the huge clouds of uh, dust. That's a likely explanation. Something, you know, did not work, you know, the... It didn't fire, you know, so they, they had to rewire it. It took them a few hours, and then after, they they had to think, well, what should we do? Should we do it anyway? And they decided to do it anyway, because the building was wired for a controlled demolition, and uh, they thought, you know, they have to do it, otherwise all this wiring would become apparent. And that uh, surely doesn't look good today. Well, your
0: explanation of... Uh Flight 93 making a good story makes sense because they even produced a feature length Hollywood movie about uh, Flight 93. So, yes. That's right, yeah, that's right. That makes sense. You have produced a new film, 9 11 and Israel's Great Game. Uh, the English version will premiere on No Lies Radio on Sunday, October 9th. What would you like to say about this incredible film?
1: Well, I can say I, I wrote the scripts. I didn't really produce it. It was produced by ERTV, which is uh, the, the multimedia uh, team of uh, Alain Soral, who is uh, publishing books and making videos and. Uh, all kind of thing in France is the most prominent uh, anti-zionist uh, intellectual in France and and so they produced it with really uh, they found really incredible images and and so I wrote the script and so we put together the in uh, in one hour and 15 minutes uh, we try to present the main issues of 9/11 focusing on um, on uh, the Israeli uh, uh, theory. So the, the, the film is called 9/11 and Israel's Great Game. The term Great Game refers here to to the uh, the geostrategy of Israel in terms of creating a Greater Israel and using the American Empire to to help them destroy their enemies and so on. So uh, yeah, I, I hope this film has a great success, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, uh, presenting it with uh, yourself maybe Bonnie and uh, Kevin Barrett will be discussing after after the the stream show of of the film.
0: Yes. Well, Laurent Guillano, thank you again.
1: Well, thank you, Bonnie. My pleasure.
0: I've been speaking with Laurent Guillenot. Today's show has been 9-11, The Planes and the Hijackers. Laurent Guillenot is an author, researcher, and journalist. His current research focuses on the religious and civilizational backgrounds of Zionist geostrategy. His books include Jesus and John the Baptist, Historical Inquiry into a Legendary Encounter, Fairy Death, An Anthropology of Medieval Fantasy, and translated into English, JFK to 9-11, 50 Years of Deep State, and From Yahweh to Zion, Jealous God, Chosen People, Promised Land, Clash of Civilizations. Laurent Guillenot has a degree in engineering, a master's in biblical studies, and pursued his interests in the history and anthropology of religions, Earning his doctorate in medieval studies. His articles are posted at UNZ.com. That's UNZ.com. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Yarl Mako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at G&B Radio. Hey, hey. hey, yo, these are some serious times that we live in, G, and our new world order is about to begin. You know what I'm saying? Now, the question is are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you see that. Trying to steal your life. You know what I'm saying? Look what inside yourself.